The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. What is up? Welcome to episode number 319 of On the Corner, the official PitcherList.com podcast. I'm your host, David Mendelson, joined by the man giving me the green light, Nick Pollock. Nick, how's it going? <laughs> what is happening? Uh, yeah, green light, which was a fun pun for the SB Roundup because it was Hunter Green, but I think his impact was light. <laughs> and Justin, Justin Paradis, our, um, our head graphic designer, the, the one that started the whole movement of graphics on our site. Uh, it makes those wonderful SB Roundup uh, graphics for me often. And he made that one himself. And I could not come up with a better one. I thought that was so great. So I think Hunter he has Green. more talent in his pinky finger than <laughs> my whole body with what he produces. He's, he's truly incredible. And not only that, just like the best person to to lead the whole graphic movement on our site. So we're all super lucky Justin Paradis is here. Yeah, one of the best in the game. And speaking of, you're one of the best in the game in talking mm, pitching. Well, and there is a lot of pitching we got to talk about here. Yes. I mean, you look down the list, your top 100 movers and shakers here. And I, I know the people are waiting and they got to hear your your points here from just this last couple of days of what we watched. First, are you happy we finally got to watch some baseball? Because Oh, my Lord. It's crazy. Yes. Yes. Opening day was a, it was incredible. I actually I streamed from uh, about two o'clock to. 11 o'clock so eventually I had to write the roundup it was insane it was it was so much fun watching Tyler McGill Tylord McGill do his thing uh and it was just that's what we're here for right the excitement of the young guys doing something new and establishing themselves as better than they were before and taking those steps forward oh it feels so so good I just can't wait though in like a week or two when more than one pitcher throws more than 80 pitches in a night. That might be pretty cool. That was so frustrating. Your guy, like whoever you had in your lineups doing well, and they're just pulling them. And I, I guess it's like an extended spring training at this point for right. guys in their first start. And it's, it's just so frustrating because you don't want that to become a trend because who knows what that could lead to in future years too. It's You want to see the best guys and you want to see them pitch the amount that they're supposed to be out there. Definitely. And and by the way, those are saying, hey, wait a second, this isn't Alex Fast. Remember, David Mendelson is the uh, guest host as Alex Fast is on paternity lead, leave. And let's all give a hearty welcome to Zelda 
Anne mm-hmm. Fast, uh, born very recently. She's adorable. Looks actually like a mini Fast in many ways. Uh, we're all super thrilled about that. Uh, but yeah, we have we have the top 100 to talk about, and we might as well just dive into it. Let's do it, and let's start off with the first tier. And no change here, but no. when we got Garrett Cole, Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, Zach Wheeler, Walker Bueller, and Max Scherzer. Now, I, I'm going to go right at the top here because these first three guys on here all had duds. I mean, oh, man, just like <laughs> Garrett Cole, you know, his first start, four innings, four hits, three earned runs, only three strikeouts. But I mean, if you just look at his uh, just as far as his whiffs, he had 11 whiffs on 68 pitches. So still a 16 percent swinging strike rate. And same kind of with Corbin Burns too. Uh, you know, a 13 percent swinging strike rate and, you know, did not look great in his first start giving up you know, three runs in five innings and only four strikeouts. Woodruff obviously extending his stuff from spring training. What are your thoughts on these guys? Are you concerned about any of these three up top? Well, okay. Um, I, I should have, I should have done this. This is all my fault, Mendelssohn. I should <laughs> let everybody know that because of four days of baseball, especially as you said, it was extended spring training. It has been for this week and likely will kind of be that way for another week. I've personally not changed anybody inside of the top 30. I think it is 32 or so. And that does include the top tier. I know it's the most boring week of the list you'll ever find. Uh, there are some things that obviously to talk about, but yeah, I mean, Cole Burns Woodruff all had disappointing outings. It's going to happen a lot right now, and I'm not going to do anything about it. I'm just going to kind of treat this as if it's spring training a bit. Uh, it does, you know, we'll talk about some guys in the second tier that, maybe are a little bit more concerning. Um, but I watched the Woodruff start. I think he just got babbipped, honestly, maybe a couple bad pitches here and there, but really he's not, he's not all of a sudden different. Garrett Cole's fine. He had a rocky first inning. He said it was even because he was delayed by four minutes with the opening ceremonies. I mean, he's totally fine. And it was a normal muggy, cold, windy day, whatever you want to call it in uh, Chicago for Burns. Pretty poetic that he walked the first batter of the year instead of striking out 58 in a row before his first walk like last year. Um, But it's pretty funny. I mean, the top nine, all the top nine pitchers on this list have their question marks, which is insane. And you know what? I hope you listening decided not to get an ace in the first two rounds. Like I always say you should. So yeah, hopefully it worked out. And just like you said, in this second tier, Sandy Alcantara, Julio Urias, Shane Bieber, Robbie Ray. First, do you have a name for this tier? And then we got to get into a couple guys in this tier. Do I have to? Okay, I'm going to do a name for tiers one through five because they have not changed. (laughs) All right. I feel like that's the only way I'm going to call them. I'm going to call them the manor because they've been the same way since like the 1700s. Okay. (laughs) That's just it. And it's, and it's posh. It's, it's a step above. The others like, oh, you are look at these plebes who are who are changing and going up and down more tea, please. You know, that's really yeah. elegant right now on this. Podcast. Yeah, that was that was very elegant. Absolutely. That's the word I would use for that. Um, but yeah, that's that's the name of it. Uh, are you are you concerned about any of these? I mean, Alcantara, Arias, Bieber, Ray have all gone. Ray has two ticks down on his velocity. Sandy Alcantara wasn't his sharpest. Uh, walked five against the Giants. Julio Arias is nearly three ticks down in his velocity. 
Shane Bieber down two ticks and had a drop of 410 RPM on mm-hmm. his curveball, which is laughable to say the least. Uh, are you legitimately concerned about any? I mean, the one that's still sticking out to me is Robbie Ray. And I know the stat line looked good, but the velocity is down. He walked four batters in that start. And you give me a sniff of Robbie Ray and walking people again, and I'm immediately going to be a little hesitant. And this is from somebody who was already had, didn't draft him in any of his leagues this year. Mm. Uh, The velocity, I think, will come back. I'm just wondering if the four walks, is that something where he's going to start losing control again? And then be one of those guys that gets a lot of strikeouts, but is inconsistent. Uh, Shane Bieber, I know there was concerns how it extended into last year, how he finished the year with diminished velocity, and he comes out with diminished velocity. I, I will say if that velocity stays, like what is it, around 90 miles an hour, if it stays around there for another couple starts, I'm going to be very concerned about him as well. Urias, I think he was in Colorado first start of the year. Sure. That to me, I wasn't as concerned about that start, but the other two, I have a little bit more. Uh, I'm keeping my eye on the other two a little bit more. Okay. I mean, I'm not worried about Alcantara in the slightest. Yeah, me neither. Um, Robbie Ray, for, for the walks, um, still very much around the zone. I mean, the changeup was really bad. He elevated that one all day, and it was terrible. But the other stuff seemed totally normal. I will say that Robbie Ray, part of the reason why he's had success last year, not only was him being in the zone a lot, but he did have an increase of velocity by a full tick. And he brought that down now. But the fact that he went over 90 pitches is pretty dang cool uh, for everybody else not doing it. And all of a sudden, he gets seven innings out of Robbie Ray. I remember freaking out. He came out from the sixth. They went out for the seventh and did it in like eight pitches. Yeah, no problem. No problem. I got this. I mean, he's going to be that guy for Seattle and establish that really early. Um, Arias and Eber, man, I know I'm not allowed to move them on the list right now. I'm serious. I'm saying this guys, because it's just, it wouldn't be fair as we talked about before with all the spring training stuff. These are guys in the top 30 who we are doing. We're, we're doing this for the full season with them. You know, with the back half, we're, we're moving them now on purpose, hoping to have someone that we feel as confident in as we do in the top 30. That's the whole intent here. So I'm not going to change this after one week with these guys. And especially this kind of week. But man, Bieber losing that much spin. I know it was really cold and stupid in Kansas City, but uh, that's that's a lot. And then Arias, I know that it is Coors, but he also went to Coors last year and was good except for just kind of getting hit a little bit. But Velocity was good when then he was there. And Arias, there's a question in spring. He was down two and a half ticks as well. Uh, the last start before the beginning of the year. And uh, there's this big, big question mark that was about 200 innings for Arias between the regular season and the playoffs. And we had some concern if the stamina would be down and it would affect him. And I didn't, I brushed it aside like a novice. Um, And I can't help but wonder if that is a thing. So Nick, why didn't you lower them? Because it's one star. I'm just telling you the worries, the things that you should be focusing on for the future, uh, for for the next outing and what we're going to be very much uh, attuned to for the next two starts. Yeah, and then the four whiffs on 57 pitches doesn't help your eyes no. either. No. Uh, the one thing I've heard people talk about is they're saying it's still early April and it's really cold, and I feel like right. a lot of pitchers still don't have their full velocity when it's cold. Yeah, definitely. And I, so I buy into that. That could potentially maybe in the next month we see things start heating up and then their velocity start getting back to what we saw last year, but that's still a... Big if, you know, that's just kind of speculation at this point. Yeah, no, it, it's something that I, as you mentioned, yeah, the next couple of weeks, I think you'll see a lot of losses go up. It's just 
Some won't. And that's when we go, uh oh, there's a problem. <laughs> well, we get into this next tier in tier three. We have Charlie Morton, Max Freed, Joe Musgrove, Logan Webb, Kevin Gosman, Freddie Peralta, and Aaron Nola. So, like as you said, these top five tiers aren't changing, but there are definitely some questions I have about some of these guys. And the two that catch my eye are the bottom two, and Freddie Peralta and Aaron Nola, who both kind of had so so starts here. We already knew Nola was going to have questionable defense behind him. He's given up a lot of home runs in spring training, and he didn't look great in his first start. And Peralta seemed like he was still having some problems too. And he's somebody that obviously has not done it for years and years. And we're kind of wondering if, if is it something that's going to regress some this year? Do you have any concerns about these bottom two guys? Not really. Uh, Peralta. Yeah. He did not get the, the slider strikes that he normally gets, or at least he got last year. Um, you know, this is, I mean, it's professor chaos again, which is like, uh Oh, that's <laughs> terrible. But now again, one star, I mean, all of Milwaukee, the entire uh, rotation of the weekend was just rough. I mean, Adrian Hauser actually did badly today. Something's going on there. The only good one is Aaron Ashby, who got the unluckiest win loss ever on opening day, and I'm still mm-hmm. upset about it. Um, but I no, I'm not really like like that concerned about Freddie Peralta. I mean, hey, maybe everything I said last year about being hesitant about Peralta and his crossbody mechanics actually are gonna show up over a full sample. But I mean, last year he had a near 10% walk rate, right? Like he was still wild is just effective while doing so and you got to think that he'll still be able to do that at least at this point with Aaron Nola he allowed 70% ground balls or at least two-thirds ground balls and that's really the big indication for me last year the fly ball rates uh, the ground ball rate actually fell to about 40% and change and yeah you could pretty much say like oh that's two different grounders to to fly balls or something like that but it did seem like a very much of an indication and Girardi messed them up by keeping him into the seventh inning uh he's six innings was one earned run you do not leave a guy in in the seventh inning when it's first and third with nobody out. It's just a rule of thumb. Like maybe you can say, okay, first base runner, fine. Second, no, you're done. You're out. But he left him in for the third. We all knew he was going to allow a home run. It was just, we knew this. This is the textbook Phillies and Girardi move. Um, I'm not worried. The one thing I will say about Peralta, uh, this is from Justin Johnson at JJ underscore stats on Twitter. He's a great follow. Freddie Peralta has allowed a home run in five of his last six starts. And if you look at him quarterly last season in 2021, the Roto score in 2021, a three and a half to a four is considered a top 25 pitcher. First quarter, he was 5.84. Second quarter, he was 4.55. Third quarter, he was 2.89. And then fourth quarter, he was point negative 0.17. So, so, he, so, yeah, I think that end though, keep in mind, he only threw 144 pitches. So the Brewers didn't mess with it. Or sorry, innings rather. Uh, so the the Brewers didn't mess with him a little in that second half. Uh, and that might have actually messed with Peralta in some way. Uh, I have to put some weight into that. But yeah, it could be the case of, look, it was just first half Peralta last year and he just hasn't been as good since. And maybe he disrupted his rhythm a little. Something definitely to monitor. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we get into this next tier now, tier four. And we have Carlos Rodon. Alec Manoa, Trevor Rogers, Justin Verlander, Frankie Montas, Sugar Shane McClanahan, Jose Barrios, you Darvish, Chris Bassett, <sighs> my heart throbbed, Dylan Pete, <laughs> and Zach Gallen. Oh, it's so uh, fun. It's so fun to bring you on, man, because I've just been shouting from the hilltops about everyone avoiding Dylan Cease. And <laughs> if, if we didn't mention it last week, Mendelssohn loves Dylan Cease. So it's pretty fun uh, to do that. And right before this cast, I was watching. Alec Manoa goes through his sixth frame in his first start of the year. And I've 
made it an effort to showcase that. Well, I like Manoa more than season. It's pretty even right now, honestly. They both had two great starts, but it's been fun. That's true. We were comparing the stats between them in their first two starts here uh, before <laughs> the show started. We got to take those early victory laps, laps you know? <laughs> what else are we doing? <laughs> yeah, we were both huffing and puffing from those. Uh, but this tier is very interesting. And I, I, of course, I have to go with the guy at 18. I know we started with him last week, too. Mm. But th- I mean, this guy was legendary in his story. Right. He had 12 strikeouts in five innings, and I believe set the record for the most amount of whiffs and the fewest amount of pitches for any pitcher at that point. Uh, he just, his velocity was up again. And he just, I mean, we were talking, Nick, we were saying if this guy's healthy, he's going to be a stone cold stud. And he's making everybody that drafted him look very smart right now. Well, okay. The two ifs of Carlos Rodon is one is the velocity going to be there. We know that's there. 97.4. I, ooh, ooh, it was 93. It was 93 in every other year. Okay. He had never averaged 94 in a season. And then last season, he started doing 94.5, then 95, then 96. And then he capped it at 97. And the first start of this year is harder than any other start of last year. Are you kidding? It's just, it's, it's like, how am I even more surprised and in awe of Carlos Rodon than I was before? But that was one of the two ifs. And the second one is the most annoying one which is the stamina. And the reason why Carlos Rodon is at 18 and not 10 or or even you can say like five is because we don't know how long this is going to last. He broke down in the last year. We don't know how long the shoulder is going to hold up. You can make a case like a Jacob deGrom scenario of, hey, we all knew that deGrom wasn't going to be healthy for the full year. But even in 92 innings last year, deGrom was still within the top 30 starting pitchers, right? He was just that beneficial. Should we be treating Carlos Rodon like that? And that's something I'm going to be have to, to wrestle. I'm going to have to wrestle with that every single week. And I hate it. And I, why do you have to do this to me, Carlos Rodon? <laughs> because you are a stud. You are actually the top five starter right now on a per game basis. But we just don't know how it's going to last. And with every single start, him still doing the thing is going to make it harder and harder for me to keep down. So you likely will see him in the top 10 and then all of a sudden I get hurt. I mean, that's my premonition uh, for 2022. Yeah, I mean, Carlos Rodon in opening weekend was sixth in war, and he actually threw the sixth most amount of pitches from a starting pitcher in a game oh, so man. far this season. He's so, so, I good. mean, they, they were letting him go. And I mean, I think, I mean, 24 whiffs in five innings is just unreal. And I mean, he's on the Giants. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like that 24 whiffs is independent of the team that you're on. But then he's on a winning ball cove with an amazing right field and a good defense. Like, oh, come on, man. And we're just going to keep, I mean, this will be the last thing I gush over him, but he was the first in Giants history to have a 12 strikeout game with an under 90 pitches. It's only happened 17 times in Major League history. So, I mean, that's a way to make an impression with your new ball. Absolutely. And I I will, the last thing I'll say is um, you really have to make a decision for yourself. If you're in a head to head league, I would say Rodon is reduced in value because of the expectation that by September, either the Giants are going to play it safe with him or he's hurt. Uh, And in Roto leagues, it doesn't matter as much because whatever you get out of him, let's say he gives you 140 innings by the end of this, you know, so that's uh, 80% or let's say 80 to 75% of another starter who's ahead of him right now. Is he going to be the 125% of that player in the amount of time? Do you understand what I'm getting at? That's a tough question to answer, but in some ways, yes. 
uh, and that will make him even more valuable in Roto. So once he is shut down or slowed down or whatever that we expect, you can then oust him for something else in that roster spot so you get more out of it. But you can't really do that head-to-head. Head. You'll just lose in your fantasy playoffs. <laughs> so it's a little bit worse there. Yeah. The only other pitcher I was going to ask you about in this tier potentially is Jose Barrios because he didn't That's have a great first start. Are, are, do you, are you concerned about him at all? Oh, man. the, the I think the... the... <laughs> If you're going to judge one inning from the entirety of 2022, the worst one you can do is the first of the season. And that's all we saw from Brios. We didn't even see that. We just saw two outs. And no way can anyone possibly put any weight on the first inning of a season for a pitcher. You, you just can't. I mean, even Cole had a bad first inning, right? And they, like, you're not going to judge him for that. Like, this is what happens. So poor Jose Barrios did not get out of the first inning against the Rangers, who I personally undervalued as an offense. I think uh, they've made a statement a bit about being being something to be scared of, um, not necessarily in the top five or so, but we cannot consider them a streamable team at this point, I think. And uh, Barrios, oof, sorry, buddy, but he's going to be just fine. He's the great undulator. He's going <laughs> to be good and terrible. Like, that's him. I don't. I feel like I didn't see how many pitches he threw, but I was like, he gave up like three earned runs, I think, or something right around there. They didn't let him go. I was kind of shocked how quickly they pulled him because when Eric, uh, my brother, told me that he didn't even make it out of the first inning, I was expecting like a, a five, six earned run showing. Well, it was four and runs, thirty-four pitches, two walks, zero Ks, a home run, and three hits. It, it wasn't good. Yeah, <laughs> That's, I guess I can't argue that. Wasn't good. He had 18% CSW, one whiff on 34 thrown, 10% on his curveballs. It, it just, it wasn't good. It wasn't good, Mendy. It, it definitely wasn't. Uh, before we get into tier five here, though, we're going to take a quick break. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at pitcherlist.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast also don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from youtube videos live streams newsletters off-season articles tiktoks breakdowns over 15 baseball podcasts on our network we can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season so sign up for pl plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free all right thanks for listening let's get back to the show and we're back to cover now into tier five. And this is a very short, a very studly tier. Clayton Kershaw, Tyler Molly, Pablo Lopez. The last of kind of the the tier that hadn't changed too, too much here. And I gotta ask you, did you did Clayton Kershaw look good to you in his first outing when he's pitched? Did any of these guys stand out to you necessarily? I mean, honestly, I was just really happy for all of them. <laughs> you know? Uh, I mean, specifically Tyler Molly did it on the road. Everyone's going to say, of course he did, but it's against Atlanta. That's a really good team. And he did really well there. And now he's going to host Cleveland uh, on Tuesday. And I'm excited for Tyler Molly to do that. I, I think he's can really rid himself of this. I'm terrible at home curse. Uh, that's been placed on him, or at least the, uh, the stigma that's been given. 
And while Pablo Lopez, we had some concern about maybe velocity was a little bit down in spring, but nope, totally right there. Good command. Everything's good. Yeah, I don't know. I feel good about these guys. Yeah, they seem very like solid in their spot right now. Very much reliable SP3, SP4s for your team. And yeah, until otherwise, we kind of know their faults and we know what they're good at. And I kind of like where they're at here. But then we get into tier six. Luis Severino, Patrick Sandoval, Eduardo Rodriguez, Nathan Ivaldi, Logan Gilbert, Shohei Otani, and Framber Valdez. And right. I look at this tier and... A lot of these guys did pretty well in their first start. Shohei Otani obviously looked incredible. Logan Gilbert looked like the, what are we going to call him, the AL prodigy of Jacob DeGrom? With, with <laughs> no, the, no, no, the, no, 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 not, not a chance. No, no, we'll get to that. Yeah, <laughs> not, not, that's not right at all. <laughs> oh, man, I'm, I'm sorry, Logan. I'm vouching for you, man. I'm trying to get you the, the recognition here. No, I, I spent a good like three minutes um, watching every curveball slider and change up he threw. Just I just want to see quick succession, only those pitches. And I was able to do that. And I was not impressed. Um, you know, the major thing about Logan Gilbert through the preseason was that he was developing this slider and this changeup. And like, oh, man, he's really got this thing. And Logan Gilbert last year, amazing four seamer, but he needs he needs more. He needs to have those secondaries allow him to get strikes confidently so that he can do his thing with his four-seam because it's a great pitch. I'm not totally sold yet that he's there. I know this line was good, but Logan Gilbert isn't fully developed with those secondaries yet. And uh, when he does, we're going to know about it. We're going to, oh, it's going to be something when that happens, but it's not a guarantee that it does. And I hope we do see it pretty soon. I don't know. He's got a lot of potential, and I know a lot of people in the industry really like him. But kind of on the other side of the coin, people I feel like don't give enough love to is someone I like to coin the ground ball goblin in Framber Valdez, who just gets <laughs> so many, so many of them. He just eats them all up. And oh, man. I mean, he was overshadowed by Shohei Otani. Everybody's focusing on all his strikeouts, but there goes Framber Valdez with another start that's just kind of under the radar. How do you feel about Framber Valdez? Uh, I think he's pretty cool. Um, I'll, I'll put it this way. Last year when he returned from his injury, uh, Framber Valdez was amazing. Uh, for second start was 10 strikeouts and in seven innings. Third start was 7.1 innings of eight strikeouts. He had four straight starts of seven innings after his first, like, okay, here's 72 pitches. Just go and survive against the Padres. And that's kind of what we just saw here. Um, I, I feel like Framber Valdez can go off and just do that. Uh, at the same time, Framber Valdez also had a harder fastball in this one. And the biggest worry I've had is his four-seamer. Really, I'm sorry, not his four-seamer, his sinker, which allowed 40% hard contact in 2021. Did not happen in the start against the Angels. Am I willing to say, like, oh, he's completely fixed his sinker? No, absolutely not. But throwing harder is a good thing. He averaged 92.5 on his fastball last year. It was over 93 in the start. I hope that sticks around. Um, but yeah, we're not completely out of the woods or anything yet. It's good to see. Yeah. I mean, he looked really good, nearly seven innings and six K's against the angels. And yeah, I, I'm very much liking what I see of him. I don't have very much of him this year, uh, but absolutely fantastic. Does not get a lot of love. I think someone also calls him the, uh, the frambulance. That's a pretty good name too. <laughs> A lot of cool names for these guys. I uh, the the unvalid 
dated, but no, if I can't do it, I don't know. He's, he's it's I always want to do something with Valda's invalidation, but I just can't get it. <laughs> I feel like you're on the cusp of it though. Yeah. Like it's it's coming. One day. One day. Then we get into now, we get into tier seven. And this is the tier where we're gonna get start having something to talk about. Michael mm. Kopeck, John Means, Luis Garcia, Alex Wood, Alex Cobb. Tyler, what well, was Lord McGill, right? Tyler McGill. You can get them on the, by the way, you can go to Pitchless, uh, shop.pitchless.com. You can check out our merch store. We have Tyler McGill shirts on sale now. <laughs> go check Ooh. them out. What is the image of him like uh, throwing a pitch? It's it's in the Mets font of Tyler McGill. I love uh, it. That's yeah, pretty it. good. And then uh, Sonny Gray is the last one in this tier, but we, we got to talk about Tyler McGill. We got to talk yeah. about Tyler McGill and just how incredible <laughs> he looked in his first start. What did you see? Well, okay. The first inning was one of the hypest innings I've seen in a long time because you're going against the Nationals. If you're going against the Nationals, that means you're going against Juan Soto. And to see Tyler McGill throw 99 past Juan Soto is something else. I mean, that, that's nice. I like his mechanics. It's very straight and forward. This is not the same guy we saw last year. My hesitation entering this season before we knew about this newfound velocity was a guy throwing 94, 95, uh, really 94 and change, and not having enough in the secondaries, right? Changeup sometimes was good. Uh, slider was okay. Uh, but the fastball really made or break, uh, broke his starts, and sometimes it wasn't that great. And then all of a sudden in this, he's throwing 98, 99 out of the gate. Like, what? And then, oh, and then... He's going against Nelson Cruz, and he throws a gorgeous slider. I mean, this is a new one. This is a tighter, more vertical slider than last year. Gorgeous. I mean, this thing is perfect. Oh, oh, I was I was squealing. I was jumping in my seat. We had an amazing live stream on Twitch. Uh, Twitch.tv slash Pitchless. Always be plugging. Just kidding, guys. Um, <laughs> it's a professional. I love it. Check it out. 9 a.m. to 12 every single weekday morning. I'm live streaming. Anyway, Tyler McGill looked great. Now, third inning arrives, and oh no, it's 93, it's 94, right? It's not the same as before. He burned himself out a little bit, but he got back. He got back to 96. Then we saw 97 in the fifth, and that was the start. And I know the Nationals aren't the strongest. Nelson Cruz, Josh Bell, and Juan Soto, but after that, it's nothing else. Still, Tyler McGill is a completely different pitcher now. The fact that he's thrown five innings already... I, I have this tier here of guys that I can see going five plus consistently. These This is not the tier of inefficient pitchers outside of Sonny Gray and Sonny Gray's his own little weird animal. Same with Michael Kopech who's now in this because I'm worried about his command a bit. Um, but these are guys I can see through the entire year just being good. Just being good pitchers with a, with a taste of a ceiling that we might be able to get if we get a nice little step ladder. Uh, yeah. So uh, Tyler McGill... I'm excited for you. Um, if you're still on your waiver wire, I would go and get them. Don't necessarily drop someone who hasn't started yet. It's a very easy thing to get into this yo-yo at the beginning of the year where one guy does really well, and then you drop someone who hasn't started yet, and then that guy goes, and he does really well, and then you drop the guy you already picked up, and you never get a start. You just don't get one. You just like having the potential of a start, but you never actually have one because you keep dropping guys and replacing them. So be careful about that. But uh, yeah. he, gets, he gets the Phillies. I'm excited to see what Tyler McGill will do. And we always talk about one of the big things we look for in pitchers is velo bumps. And yes. like we talked about the velo bump was big. He was up 1.5 average miles per hour on his fastball in this first start here. But not just his fastball. His slider had more velocity, had a lot more movement and spin to it. 
and his changeup actually had a lot more vertical and horizontal movement and actually mm. was also four miles per hour faster. So mm. everything just across the board was very different. Just <laughs> so with the- hype. Oh my God. It was so hype. <laughs> it, I, he's he's the early story i think in fantasy baseball no doubt oh yeah no i i I think i put on a whole brigade of just like tweets of like i think i put out like five or six tweets in an hour (laughs) about tyler mcgill it was it was so i mean that's really truly the joy of this for me is just someone making a statement like that when is Uh, his next start Uh, it's against the phillies on wednesday i'm doing the first can you be the first to tweet out it's tyler mcgill day and like, uh, yes. like in the morning, yes. people wake up. I will, I will, no, no, no. I will do it at 12.01. Yes. Yes. All right. I will be up with this SP roundup, of course. <laughs> you know, you got to Everybody's going to wake up and it's going to be Tyler McGill day and we got to yep. celebrate properly. Absolutely. Uh, live every day. Like it's Tyler McGill day. I'm sorry, Aaron Ola fans. I, I do that. <laughs> Don't worry. We can have multiple days. Multiple I love days. it. It's getting now into tier eight and this tier is, Similar to kind of what it was before. Joe Ryan, Tanner Houck, Reed Detmers, and Matt Brash. All young, exciting players. Yeah. And the only one that hasn't pitched as of right now, as of recording on Monday, is Matt Brash. The other three each had a start. I'm curious, what were your thoughts on these guys' starts? Are you concerned about any of them? Were you signs that you were intrigued by in their starts? Because varying degrees of success from these guys. Sure. Reed Detmers is good. Don't worry about him. Short start. And also last year he had jitters initially on. Like, don't don't worry about Reed Demers. He's going to be completely fine. Uh, Joe Ryan the same way, I think. Um, I, I, I believe with all these, they're going to take some time to develop into who they should be. Um, Joe Ryan and, and Demers to me, I think I'm a little bit more confident than the other two that they are on the path towards it. Uh, Tanner Hawk uh, has incredible upside with that slider and really filthy fastball. Um, but he faced the worst team I think he could have faced in the Yankees in that they are so patient at the plate. They they really, I mean, oh man, I did a uh, video breakdown. I'm doing those again, by the way. I'm going to keep plugging YouTube. Go check them out. They're great. Broke down uh, the first inning for Tanner Houck yesterday. And Joey Gallo had the best at bat where Houck had these uh, first pitch sliders, two of them. That were just off the plate, but he got them called as strikes coming away, you know, away from Gallo, come back off the outside corner, right? And he tried to get them again, and Gallo refused to swing. He's like, I don't care. This ump is going to get it right. And how, for his credit, to his credit, hit the spot three more times. And three more times, the ump called it a ball. And he walked Joey Gallo essentially and threw, I think, a fastball in there somewhere. And that was it. And it's so hard if you're Tanner Houck to like, your game is getting swings off the plate. You know, you have this sinker that moves so much inside to righties, down away to lefties, um, and that slider, and you're relying on that. The Yankees are not a team that does that. They make you pitch your strikes. So I'm not really too worried about it from Hauk. I think he's going to find his groove when he doesn't have to face his pinstripes. But if you see that in the future, I might be a little bit intimidated uh, to let him fly there again. Yeah, so... Stay with me on this comparison. Sure. I know they're very different pitchers, but the amount of gifts I saw of Tanner Houck in his start against the Yankees compared to what he actually his final line was kind mm-hmm. of seems very Dustin Mayish from last year. Where ah. You would see a lot of Dustin May pitches. The results weren't there, but then before he got hurt, he had a nice little stretch where he was starting to come along. It seemed like it was coming together, the nasty stuff and the production. You think that's something similar that Houck could eventually also 
start transforming to? Um, how could? I mean, he still has steps to go with this command. The the bigger question with Dustin May, I mean, the two seamers, two seamers are so nice to look at, but they aren't always the best uh, when it comes to results. I mean, Houks has more vertical drop than many others, than most. So there might be some difference there. Like he does a really good job of it dying under the bats of righties um, inside and down. And Dustin May's transition to being an actual legit starter was the cutter finally getting whiffs. It was so strange. It wasn't getting them in 2020. And I remember entering, you know, this time last year thinking Dustin May isn't that good because the Dodgers won't let him pitch and he doesn't have a whiff pitch. Uh, but all of a sudden he did. I was like, oh, I'm dumb. Cool. Great. Wonderful. And that was the main difference. Well, Hauk doesn't need that whiff pitch yet. Right now, it's him trying to find the uh, the zone a little bit more. But yeah, I mean, there are certainly are those gift darlings of pitchers, right? And uh, it can get easy to fall into that trap sometimes. But I'm telling you right now, Tyler McGill is really good. Just believe me, okay? <laughs> Bring Tyler McGill back. Yeah. I love really. it. Uh, are you excited for Matt Brash tonight? Oh, can't wait. It's two bats against the White Sox, and he probably won't go five full innings. But you know what? We got to get there sometime. You know? Just just over and over and over again. You know, I'm going to play the, the MB game as the Milton Bradley game of Matt Brash. I'm ready. Let's do it. He's going to be the Brash and the Bold tonight for sure. Mm, I think, there I it think is. he's got it. Uh, <laughs> let's get to Tier 9. Sean Manaya, Ranger Suarez, Marcus Stroman, Adam Wainwright, Tariq Skubal, Ian Anderson, Waskari Noah, Tristan McKenzie, Jose Urquidy, Jordan Montgomery, Nick Lodolo, Jesus Lazardo, and Hunter Green. So there's a lot of guys in here, but the two reds that pop out that dropped are Tariq Skubal and Ian Anderson. Are you concerned about either of these two guys? Yeah. So Tarek Skubal, um, I sat there and I watched this his game against the White Sox, and I kind of already knew Chicago White Sox. They're good against lefties. This is going to be a tougher start for Tarek Skubal. Um, but I also kind of realized, wait a second, your slider isn't really being used and isn't quite there, and you're trying to do this fastball changeup, and no, no, you're not as far along as I thought you were. And I, I, it's the same thing with Ian Anderson a bit. I mean, Ian Anderson's a completely different story of, like, his command is way off now. It could be a toe blister that's still affecting him from spring training. He had five walks in his game. But both of those guys are the same story of, I think over time, they're both going to be really good. But how long are you going to have to wait for it? I don't know. And it could be just next start for Tarek Scoble. He turns it on and everything's okay. But I realized, you know what? Adam Wainwright looked really good. Marcus Stroman's very solid. Sean Manai is very solid. Like, I'd rather just be okay with those. And the the, the ceiling of Detmers, Brash, Hauk, Ryan is really, really high. And I feel like it's more tangible at this moment than what Tarek Scoble is providing. And same with Ian Anderson. So that's why they saw those drops. Um, I never liked doing it that early. But I feel like this is the point of... The, the tides chaining, changing early. We had these early indications of what's going to hit early. And uh, it might be a little frustrating to roster both of those guys right now. Yeah, no, I can understand that, especially someone that has some Ian Anderson. He just seems like you can't even put him in at this point. You have to wait and kind of see if he figures it out. But somebody yeah. that looks like they are already having some signs of figuring it out is Hunter Green. Somebody I think that I feel we're very excited to watch. And you saw him in his first start there. Five innings, four hits, three earned runs, two walks, seven strikeouts, 34% whiff rate, 32% CSW. Fastball topping out at, at 101.6 miles per hour, and I believe an average mile per hour of uh, 99.7 on his thing. I mean, he looked absolutely just electric. I'm wondering if he can throw that hard and 
consistently and not get hurt again. That's something that kind of scares me. But what were your thoughts on Hunter Green's debut? Yeah, so first of all, I mean, this is a massive, massive tier. And uh, and, and Hunter Green, uh, you want to talk about a guy to compare like being a gift monster that isn't actually quite there? It's Hunter Green. The guy, that 101.6 pitch, guess what? That was a single. He allowed a single on that pitch to Matt Olson, a 3-2 pitch that if he had a slider that he had confidence in, he would have gotten Matt Olson out, but elected to say, you know, I'm going to throw just a fastball without a good command, got it too far down and in easy for Olsen to quickly drop the barrel of the bat, pull it to right field, pass the shift for a single. And that's an issue with Hunter Green. It's oddly hittable of a fastball. Uh, the secondary stuff, the slider was better than I thought it was going to be. Um, that had uh, over 30% CSW and was overall an impressive pitch. The changeup, not so much. And, you know, he tried to throw it sometimes against lefties, trying to be a changeup fastball guy against lefties, fastball slider against righties. I don't think that works. His changeup isn't good enough. So I think you're going to see a cherry bomb situation. If he has a right-handed heavy lineup, it can be better because that means more sliders, fewer changeups. Um, but yeah, you're gonna you're gonna see a high strikeout guy, probably twenty five percent to thirty percent strikeouts with a four plus ERA and a whip north of and around one twenty or higher. So be ready for that. There's value in that. I'm not saying that's a bad thing necessarily, but yeah, I don't trust the command of Hunter Green through the entire year. I think it's kind of interesting too. They let him a rookie throw ninety two pitches in his first insane, year. right? Crazy, wild, yeah. Um, but it's exciting. And then obviously Lodolo also in that, you know, he's going to be taking a step in that rotation too. He's somebody that they have some exciting guys there, which to see if they let them both go the entire season and, or if they, you know, try to manipulate their innings some or what they'll do with them, but definitely. And and with green, the green also, I have worries of him inside of Cincinnati, you know, the, uh, the great American small park as Bubba likes to call it. That's yeah, that is a not not a fun place for Green to pitch. I can imagine having a lot of you know, allowing so many home runs there. Nick Lodola does start, and I'm actually a little higher on him on the list by two here. I think you're not going to have as volatile uh performances uh day to day. I think there's a higher chance of Lodola giving you better ratios. Uh, so we'll see what happens with that. It could be very stupid, and uh, this could be a very bad debut, but I think what Lodola has to offer is going to excite a lot of people. Yeah, I'm excited to watch him pitch. And I think he's like we mentioned before, people talk about Hunter Green a lot more because of, you know, where he was drafted, the prospect pedigree. He's the name people know. Lodolo's kind of slid under the radar a little bit, but he's a very good pitcher in his own right. So he'll get his chance coming up here soon this week here. But we get into tier 10, Merrill Kelly, Zach Eflin, Noah Syndergaard, Nick Martinez, and Eric Lauer. The biggest riser here is Merrill Kelly. Yeah. You guys, for those Pokemon lovers out there, you remember Meryl, the Pokemon. Oh my God. Wow. I always the think blue of that. Pikachu. Blue Chew or whatever. Pika Blue. The Blue Chew, yes. Yeah. You remember it, yeah. So well, I grew up in, uh, you know, uh, that was my time, David. <laughs> I, I would do I would do the uh, the sound it made, but I'm not going to embarrass myself. Oh, wow. No, please. No, seriously, you have to do it now. Come on. <laughs> Mandy. Uh, hopefully, when Nick edits this, he'll, he'll bleep this out. It's like a... So it's something like that. Uh, but uh, oh, I, I, I'm going to ask if I can leave that in because I think that was a wonderful addition. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. Please continue. Uh, but you got the Pokemon here at 63, and he looked really good in his first start. I know in the past he's been somebody that shown flashes and then he kind of turns back into a pumpkin. 
Do you think this is for real what we've seen so far in his first start? What I like is he had higher velocity, 93 plus, and his changeup looked excellent. Um, if I was really convinced that this is going to stick around um, in every single start, I'd probably push him up closer to where we were put Tyler McGill because seven strikeouts and four innings against the Padres did not feel wrong for what he was doing. Command was excellent too. You know, I watched every single pitch at this inside, outside, up, down. He was doing the whole thing. And in previous years, Merrill Kelly more reliant on cutters and curveballs. And this was a fastball changeup show. Uh, that was really, really fun to see. I do have a question that, yes, it is increased velocity, but it's 93 and change. It's not 95, 96, right? It's not that overpowering uh, fastball, but the changeup was that good. So I'm excited about this. I, I think that there is an opportunity. You know, I, I'm, I'm kind of chasing at this point guys that can go five, six consistently um, without hurting you. And um, we're trying to search for this before. It was a better version of Toby. So we're going to call this Hollies now. I know I have it as the as a reward or an uh, award at the end of the year. And I might just keep that as a Spider-Man then and use Holly as this term of being a Toby, but with some strikeout upside. Just a better version of a Toby. And yeah, Merrill Kelly can be that if he has that change up. And we saw that Merrill Kelly was also up half a tick in spring training too. So it's not like this first start was the first time right. his velocity was, which makes yeah. me more excited that this could be something that lasts longer into the season. As well. Absolutely. And yeah, we, we heard some rumors about it. I, and I didn't, I didn't really quite know. And it's so good. Oh, good job, Merrill Kelly. We're all, we're all so proud of you. Oh, we love you. We love you, Merrill Kelly. <laughs> uh, but then other, the other guy in this tier that I had a question about, Noah Syndergaard, mm-hmm. who only had one strikeout in his first start. And people are talking about with his velocity down, that he might have to start using more of his secondaries to get people out. And he has to maybe start making that transformation as a pitcher, because even though if he's throwing 95, it's not the 99 that he was throwing before. And I'm with you. Maybe the strikeouts aren't there, but he could still potentially be an effective pitcher. Right. Uh, I'm conflicted about Noah Syndergaard, but I've recognized that if you have Noah Syndergaard, you should feel fine starting him. You know, the two the two outings, I should say, one is against the Dodgers, one was against the Astros. The Dodgers was the final tune-up, but it was five innings. You know, he, he did the full thing. He's not throwing the same slider they used to. The curveball is there, but not quite as good. The changeup is really nice, though. And even at 94-95, that's still 94-95. Syndergaard could be just be a generally effective pitcher. So I, I've elected to put him in the middle of the 60s. And that essentially says, yeah, you're not dropping Syndergaard right now. I don't think anyone with Noah Syndergaard is dropping him at the moment. And I recognize that. But he's not on the same level of the guys in Tier 9, right? He's on the same level as Adam Wainwright or Marcus Stroman. I'd rather have Tristan McKenzie right now and chase that instead. Or Jose Arquiti. Uh, it's not the same. Zach Eflin is actually one up above him because it's just, that's what Syndergaard kind of wants to be. And Eflin has been that for a long time. So that's kind of how I feel about it. I don't see the top 30 ceiling that some do thinking about the old Syndergaard. As you mentioned, those days are likely gone. I, the other guy in this tier, though, Eric Lauer, I got to say this. What an what experience it has been. If anyone listening to this podcast for the past like five months, I was out on Eric Lauer. Then I said, oh, wait, you know what? Increased velocity last year. Uh, a full take on his four-seamer, up to 15% swing strike rate. Uh, his cutter was a good strike getting pitch increased by two, three ticks. I'm back in on Eric Lauer. Then he gets a groin injury in camp and he's a week behind. And I'm like, oh, maybe I'm not in on it. I watched his first spring training start. He looked like his command was all over the place. We didn't have any velocity readings. I was like, you know what? Eno just said that he was kind of out on him. I am now all of a sudden I'm doing this. And then, and then we get a report 
that Eric Lauer is throwing like 94, 95 now that he's throwing two ticks harder from last year. We haven't even seen him start yet. And I've changed him like four times. I, 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 so I'm like, all right, you know what? He gets Baltimore. Adrian Hauser couldn't handle him tonight, apparently, but fine. Let, let's, let's take a good chance in Eric Lauer right now. Wait, so you're in on Eric Lauer right now? I'm in. I just added 19 spots to 67. Let's if go. he gives up, if he gives up five earned runs in two innings tomorrow against Baltimore, <laughs> he's can... down again. <laughs> he, he's your hokey pokey because you're putting like your left foot in. Your oh, left I foot love out. that so much. Oh, that's such yeah. a good phrase. Okay, we're gonna. I'm gonna hold on to that one. <laughs> love it. Love it. Well, hopefully, Lauer can can stay in. That's that's sure. That's the hope with the, the hokey pokey Reese. You know. <laughs> I can't can't wait to not do that to Eric Lauer because he's not going to disappoint you. He's going to have that velocity. He's going to maintain that 15% to plus swing strike rate on his four seamer. It's going to be a great time. I have a good feeling about it. Lauer, pressure's on for tomorrow, buddy, when you pitch. <laughs> uh, next here, we're now in tier 11. Anthony Disclafani, Kyle Hendricks, Kyle Wright, Bailey Ober, Aaron Savale, Luis Patino, Drew Rasmussen, Jordan Hicks and Tommy Romero, yeah, I who know. many of you might not know, but he just got called up by the Rays and expected to either start or piggyback tomorrow on Tuesday. So he's somebody that maybe not as high a prospect as others might know, but he's got some nasty stuff. If you if you see his fastball, goodness gracious, it looks nice. But before we get to him, I got to ask you about Kyle Hendricks and Kyle Wright, two names that were not on this list when we talked about this last week. What did you see in Hendricks' first start that just made you have to bump in here? I will I will always laugh whenever I see two Kyles together because I just think of Kyle too from South Park, and that's one yeah. of the funniest characters ever. Um, well, he's, I guess he's Kyle 1. Uh, Kyle Hendricks had his changeup, 13 over 33 whiffs on his changeup in the first game of the year. It was prime Kyle Hendricks. You deserve to be here right underneath 70. I mean, it's, it's that simple. Um, Kyle writes... Uh, Really nice looking breaking ball. Also increased its velocity on it. it just looked better than it's ever had had before. Command is still kind of in question here, and that's why he's at seventy. He's not pushed up with the other as use an old term, Spice Girls, because they want to be aces. Um, but uh, there's normally like five of them that we get excited about. And then by the end of the year, you remember just one of their names. Um, but I, yeah, Kyle Wright could be the right right finally. And he's a nice, fun one to take a chance on. And also, we just mentioned Luis Patino, but sadly, he got removed from his game with an injury today. So, uh, Patino will be off next week, sadly. Can you imagine at the beginning of the year if we were talking about guys like Kyle Wright, Spencer Strider, Tucker Davidson, all these guys from that are kind of rising into Braves options now, kind of as the season's gone along here. These, these names that we kind of left for dead, are all kind of making a case to potentially try to oh, get a yeah. look at the rotation. That, that's the fun though. Is Silder's air? Oh man, get get in here, Strider. <laughs> I I mean, I don't think he's actually going to do it for a while. He, he seems like it seems like Atlanta recognizes that he's more of a fireman given his I don't know, sporadic or erratic. Oh, fair old command to use a very old phrase. Yeah. Um uh, that one's for you, Josh. And I don't know if Spencer Strider is actually going to make that transition into the rotation, but Kyle Wright should stick around. And it, currently it's a six man anyway. Uh, so I really don't think that Strider pushes into that as at best the seventh. I mean, Kyle Muller honestly could make a case as the proper seventh right now in triple A. 
um, with Strider just being in relief. What are your thoughts on Tommy Romero, who's coming up to start for right. Tuesday? So, uh, so was 144 strikeouts in 110 innings last year. I mean, it's he something pitched. crazy like that. Yeah, I actually made a tweet about him earlier today because I saw some of his highlights when I was looking at him getting called up. Mm-hmm. And I believe his stats, as I stall here, he <laughs> pitched to a 2.61 ERA, a .96 WHIP, 145 strikeouts, and 110 in a third innings Oof. over 23 games between Double A AA and AAA last year. That's insane. I mean, that's uh, when you when you're chasing a prospect, that is what you are chasing, right? You just want those uh, gaudy numbers. Uh, and it, the one drawback is that it is Tampa Bay. However. With Patino now hurt, Yarbrough on the IL, Boz delayed, this might actually turn into something like a Shane McClanahan from last year, where they do lean on him in some way. It won't be long tomorrow. I think it's like, well, no, Jordan Hicks is 45 pitches because he's going to follow Dakota Hudson because the Cardinals-Pirates game was uh, postponed today, which is actually a good situation, honestly, if you ask mm-hmm. me for Hicks, because he might get a win now. Um, but for Romero, I think I have him labeled as a stash because... He's a sash play right now. And if you have an open spot, if you have, you know, you don't have anyone exciting right now that you want to go and go for, sure, just pick up Romero and see what happens. Yeah. And again, if you have not looked at some of just his pitches, the fastball is like on a rope. It, it goes, I mean, yeah, he's, and he increased uh, his spin rate on it as well, which is what's helping it be more effective as well. So, uh, He's definitely somebody you can take a shot on. And, you know, if it doesn't work out or he gets sent down, just keep an eye on him because this is a guy that has a lot of good stuff. And somebody that, like uh, Nick said, could the Rays could count on. Maybe even if they send him down now, they could bring him back later this year too. Right. Uh, but we get into Tier 12. We've got Steven Dormats, Hinjin Ryu. <laughs> just like, just right. try and sneak that in there, yeah. huh? Me and Steven Matz have a very much of a love-hate relationship. So, uh I will get to him in a second, but Carlos Carrasco, Cal Quantrill, Michael Lorenzen, Casey Mize, Patrick Corbin, and Herman Marquez. So, Stephen Matz, Nick, I, I want you to talk me off the Stephen Matz ledge here. He's, oh, he's down eight well, spots. You're not going to get it from me. Okay, well, then let's let's both just uh, talk about Stephen Matz. Well, I mean, okay, this is okay. So, first and foremost, tier 12 is truly the point of, hey, I recognize the plethora of just fine options of truly like the Tobies. So that's why I'm saying, you know what, you're in, it's in your best interest to go after Hicks and Romero because that kind of ceiling is in shorter supply than, than the Tobies, especially in a 12 teamer. So you might as well chase that. And in worst case scenario, you have the fallback, right? And if you settle on the fallback, there's a diamond dozen here of different ones. There were guys I left off the list that could have been inside of this. Uh, if you really, truly want that kind of guy, right? I mean, you could have gone for Brad Keller, who just had a very good start. Or Michael Pineda is going for Detroit. You could say go after the aforementioned Dakota Hudson or later on Marco Gonzalez or Dalton Jeffries or whatever. There are so many out there. So you might as well go for the others. And yeah, Steven Matz, I mean, apparently has a blister, so you can't harsh, be that harsh on him. Oh, now you're I imagine over time, he'll be good with the Cardinals defense behind him. But... I've never really thought of Steven Matz as someone who can be a real sub 120 whip guy. And he's been around a 130 for a while. I could see him push a sub four ERA and not going to hint a 30% strikeout rate. We would hope for like a 25, but I mean, it'll be fine. Look, look, if you're going to drop Steven Matz, fine. 
but just in a couple weeks or so when he gets the pirates again or gets the cubs or something like yeah all right i'll start steven matz I don't know. I, I always say friends don't let friends start Steven Matz. Is that what you always say? I, I, it's, as of today, I friends don't <laughs> let friends start Steven Matz. I looked just, to, I wanted to dig in a little bit. Last year, he had a 382 ERA, an over 4x FIP, and he had four starts last year with five or more earned runs and only made it at least six innings in 11 of his 29 starts last year. Many people are talking about how he was pretty decent last year. Statcast page, if you look at it, you're going to get cold because there's a lot of blue. And ultimately, I just look at him and he's somebody, even if you roster, he can go six innings, give up three earned runs and give you like five strikeouts. But at the same time, he's the type of pitcher that goes three innings and gives up nine earned runs. And that's a type of player that can kill your ratios, can set you back weeks and weeks in any Roto League. And in points leagues, he could blow up your whole week. He gives you like a negative 15, negative 20. I can never start him because I'm afraid of that big blow up that he's shown he had in his career consistently. And I just avoid it completely, and I don't uh-huh. touch him. This is the this is my Herman Marquez. I will never, with <laughs> any sort of conviction, know what's going to happen to Herman Marquez, and I just don't do it. I mean, yes. he just did well against the Dodgers in cores. What? But then you're like, I don't want to deal with that stress because right. then I'll I'll pick him up, I'll trust him, and he'll hurt yeah. me again. Yeah, I think I mean I think you can't stream Steven Matz if that's an option, but I honestly think people are just going to hold through this. Um, the blister is the bigger question. It, it it could benefit fantasy managers. If uh, if he goes to the IL and then gets dropped, because then he won't return to teams when he's healthy, right? People will have drafted him and then not want to let go of him. But once they do, then they won't feel the the grab to pull him back, right? So that could be a benefit. We'll see. Yeah. The last two here, tier 13, we have Zach Granke, Kyle Gibson, Adrian Hauser, Corey Kluber, Tony Gonsolin, Mitch Keller, the biggest dropper of the group here, Carlos Hernandez, Eliezer Hernandez, Nestor Cortez Jr., Yusei Kikuchi, Jameson Tyon, Taylor Hearn, Zach Plesak, Jose Suarez, and Austin Gomber. The spring training darling, Mitch Keller, he's fallen, and you're not giving him a hand, Nick. He's just continuing to fall down this, nope. this board here. Is, is Are you out on him now completely? Uh, yeah. Um, I will say, by the way, Alex Vass will be so proud of you because you just moved past so many guys in tier 12. As I know, we're going to go a little bit long on this podcast, but uh, you moved past Ryu, who I'm just kind of out on as well at this mm-hmm. point. Um, is, has diminished velocity. Well, it, the same diminished velocity from 2021 has not gotten it back, and that was part of the issue last year. Uh, you, Patrick Corbett down 13 spots because he got two whiffs yeah. only in that first start. And for me, me, I was hoping to see more from Corbett, but like, no, it was just a bad year. And good spring training all this kind of stuff like he's gonna be fine and that's like oh you're not there yet and i'm not gonna put myself in that way i figured out the term if you read the sv roundup sunday night of me saying he could figure it out but there's no reason for you to put yourself in harm's way right now i say that all the time in the roundup that's called a frozen banana do i want a frozen banana now no but i might want one later that's interesting when it's when it's not frozen anymore Okay, that's a Mitch Keller. No, Mitch. <laughs> oh my God, that it's a Mitch Hanneker. Mitch Hedberg. Mitch Hedberg thing. So yeah, they're called the frozen banana. Um, and who knows? Maybe I don't want a banana later, but at least there'll hopefully be something later. Anyway, Mitch Keller is throwing harder. It's still kind of getting hit, and his secondaries are not being the compliment they need to be. He's also a frozen banana of maybe later on when he figures it out. I'll be there. But you know, frozen bananas are like ice cream. Some people are into them, and some people are into Mitch Keller. 
That's fair. If it's fair, that's fair. I, I think everybody that was on the Mitch Keller ship, they're looking for their lifeboats and they're, they're, they're waiting. They're like, okay, you know what? I'll stick around for a little longer, but yeah, I mean the, the velocity increase is what we were all excited about, but it doesn't look like much has changed outside. of Yeah. That. Right. So I mean, the, the, the four seamers getting more whiffs, which is good, but you got to have compliments to it. And I guarantee you, there will be a start. There will be this glorious outing. Here it is, a little, a little slice of heaven for Mitch Keller. Five innings, seven strikeouts, one earned run, maybe one walk, two hits. <gasps> is this it? This is it? No. It's going to be a Dennis. It's going to pull you back in, uh, and you shouldn't keep it around. Okay? That's from 30 Rock. That's fine. I got to watch that show. I actually haven't it's seen so, it. Oh, my God. It's so good. It's, it's, it's evergreen. Is it is Thirty Rock or um, what's the name of the show with uh, Amy Poehler? Yeah, Parks and Rec. Parks and why can't I think? Is Parks and Rec or Thirty Rock better? Thirty Rock. They're really? different. They're different. Parks and Rec is more like heartwarming from a character standpoint. You know, it hits more of those like wholesome vibes. Yeah. Um, Thirty Rock is just brilliant. <laughs> like it, it, it's it's really it's really brilliant. I I mean. I mean, I could say a lot of lines, but I'm just not going to do it right now. Well, you got me intrigued uh, now. I, you're, why are you wearing a tux? It's past six o'clock. What am I, a farmer? There are so many amazing lines in that show, and it's just you watch Thirty Rock, guys. You're selling it well. I, I, I have to give that a shot. You do. Uh, but the last guys that you out in this tier that I'll make note of that you had falling a ton is Zach Plesac and Austin Gomber, both mm-hmm. falling double digit spots. What was that with these two guys that you didn't like in their first? Um, so, so Plesak uh, did not have the improved slider and changeup that we need to see. Those are the two elite pitches that he had in 19 and 20 that I uh, disappeared in 2021. I was saying, you know what? I'll give him one outing against the Royals to kind of see what happens. Nope. They weren't there. Okay. Good. See you. Bye. Uh, Austin Gomber. I lowered velocity in the spring and I kind of thought, oh, you know what? Going away on the road to at Texas should be okay. But then I got scared of Texas. And I moved him all the way to the bottom, but I made him 100 because I did that for fast. I know you talked about that last week. Like, you make a guy special. I didn't want to keep it the same of Jose Suarez. I moved it to Austin Gomber a little bit more just to do that because I think there are some really nice secondary pitches there. It didn't come through today from what I saw with the line, Um, but he's someone to at least monitor moving forward. I was hoping it was going to be Johan Duran, but maybe that'll be next. He's not a starter. Maybe eventually, you never no, no, know. but he's but Aaron Ashby isn't on this list right now. Spencer Sh- right. Strider isn't on the list because they're not starting. If the twins wanted to make me happy, they would start Johan Duran. Oh, I'll get them on the phone and let them yeah. know. <laughs> just just for the reason I want him as number 100 on this list. That's the whole reason. I wonder if there are any puns to be made with the guy's name is Duran. Uh, I saw I'm someone yeah. tweet at me Duran Duran from the uh, well, well, right? That's the yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's some other ones too. Durant's uh, the wire. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's like that's that. oh hmm. That might be it sounds like I am putting him on free agency, right? Like I am dropping him. Yeah, we're not doing that line. with Johan Durant. Not with no. the stuff he's shown. Uh, is there anybody else in this last tier that you wanted to make note of as far as everybody else we either unranked and rose up here or rose up a few spots? Right. Uh, you might be surprised to see Kyle Gibson not really rise, even though he dominated over the weekend. Uh, you get the Marlins next. I maybe should have raised him into the next tier just for the next start. But as far as the 
full season outlook goes. He gets Corey's after that. I don't really anticipate much. It's just, hey, Kyle Gibson's a good first week thing, and that's about it. Uh, Corey Kluber did well. Cutters were good. Velocity was down to 89. I'm not convinced. Um, Tony Gonsolin does not have a slider for strikes yet, so that's why he's down. Uh, Nestor Cortez Jr., Jameson Tyone, and Yusei Kikuchi are not there for their next start, but actually the one over the weekend. Kikuchi gets the Athletics, while both Cortez and Tyone get the Orioles, and that could work out pretty dang well. But yeah, that's that's all I really want to, to say about this tier. And what do you know? We made it, Mandy. Yeah. We did it in about an hour or two. Look at you. We were, we're pretty good with time and a lot of really bad jokes and puns <laughs> made, but you know what? It, yeah, it sounds like a standard OTC then. You did great. <laughs> Thank you. Well, the hour always flies by. And uh, I enjoy going through the top 100, especially because it was actually with games played. Yeah, so right? Amazing. It's exciting. It's exciting. Baseball's back. Games have been played. And I'm excited to see what this list is going to look like after another week's games. But until then, Nick, that's going to do it for this episode of On the Corner. I'm your host, David Mendelson. And I'm Nick Pollock. And we'll talk to you guys next week.